Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode of What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this bonus episode is the chance for you guys to ask us anything. We went to the Facebook group, guys. You know, we love the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast. And we asked you to ask us anything. Where did mm-hmm. we steal this from? It's a Reddit thing, right? Ask us anything. It's an, yeah, AMA. Yeah. AMA. Yeah. Usually it's like a, you know, a podiatrist or something, but today it's us. I feel like usually it's like P. Diddy, isn't it? I mean, Andy Locks alert on P. Diddy. Back in my day. I'm sorry, but like, I always feel like it's some random celebrity. But anyway, today it's us and we have a ton of good questions and I think we're just going to dive in. I mean, nothing else to say. No studies from you this time. No, no. We'll start with with one we've talked about already, but we have some new listeners, which we love. Tell your friends, make them new listeners too. How did you meet and how did you decide to start podcasting together? Amy, take it away. Well, so I knew Margaret's sister, Kate. We were in college together. We were in a comedy group together. And Margaret went to a different college and was in a comedy group. And I met you when I like slept on your dorm room floor a hundred bajillion years ago because our two comedy groups were doing shows together at your college. Exactly. And then we graduated from college. So Amy and I were not, for the record, friends. We yeah. barely knew each other. And but then I would see Amy was on sitcom. She was on the Norm show. It's like see her on TV. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's Amy. Kate's friend, Amy. And then she started a mom blog, wrote a book. And then we ended up I also I had a blog called Short Fat Dictator, which was hilarious. Thank you. Amy also had a hilarious blog called When Did I Get Like This? When Did I Get Like This? And wrote a book called it. (laughs) It seems you weren't a fan. (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, you started your mom blog before I had kids. So honestly, I like I wasn't that tied into you as a mom blogger because I wasn't in that world when you had kids. And so right. then and we were just always kind of around each other in the same worlds. And then I was at Nick Mom, which was Nickelodeon's channel for moms. You probably don't remember it. It didn't last very long. And I was like video director of video content. Like I was putting funny videos online for Nick Mom. And I saw a video and Amy was in it. And I kind of realized that Nick Mom wasn't going to the stratosphere and I needed an exit plan. And I had been really thinking about doing a podcast. I love (laughs) to talk. And so I was like, a podcast is perfect for me, but I probably need someone to do it with. And then boom, Amy came up in this video and I pretty much called her. I think I probably texted her or I don't even think I had your phone number at the time. So I probably emailed you to be like, oh my God, Amy, I just saw you. You know, I'm on the other side of this receiving these videos. Isn't that funny? And then I just emailed her back and I said, I have an idea. I have an idea. You're like, let's get on the phone. I have an idea. Yeah. And we went to a restaurant somewhere on the Upper West Side. And I remember having delicious cheese because I always remember the food. (laughs) And uh, I said, let's do a podcast. And she said, yes. Yeah. And that's how it all started. Yeah. And I was a podcast fan. It was sort of like, do a podcast. And then we just figured it out, didn't we? Yeah. And it's funny because I think that people think our story is like, because I think this is a lot of people's story in podcasting, that we were like best friends forever. And in fact, it was kind of nice that we did not know each other very well when we started the podcast because... It makes it easier to have a conversation because I think when we started the podcast, like I didn't even know how many kids you had. I didn't know your kids' names. I didn't know really anything about you. I'm going to say something that will blow probably people's minds. Our six kids have never been in the same room together. I don't think any of our kids have ever been in the same room together, have they? Yeah, have our kids met? Maybe not. I don't think any of our kids have ever met each other. 
And this isn't even a pandemic thing. This is, yeah, they know each other from photos. No, no, no. This is just, we live in different worlds. Yeah. I mean, to take another step back, there are probably people who don't realize we're not together right now. We're not in the same room recording like with masks on. We don't record together. We're obviously talking together. Right. So we record over the internet and we talk to each other. It's like a phone call. And so Amy and I, I was just saying this to David last night, my husband, who is also named David, as is Amy's husband. Yep. Mine also. Yep. Amy and I have not been in the same room since February. Since, yeah. It's crazy. Crazy times. And I had to stop and think about it because if there's somebody I'm in touch with, it's you. I know how your pandemic is going. Yeah. We talk to each other five days a week, basically now. But yeah, we're never in the same room together. So Mm -hmm. fun facts behind the scenes. Lenore says, who shoots and edits your video? And we shoot them ourselves on our iPhones and then I edit them. Yep. That's the answer. Yep. Margaret's Nick Mom skills are coming back to life. I have a bit of video background, so I'm putting those together. This is, I like this question a lot. How do your kids and your husbands feel about the podcast? Do they ever complain about the stories you tell? Is there anything that is 100% off limits from talking about on the podcast? Obviously, you don't have to share what it is, but wondering if you have hard boundaries about personal subjects and issues. Those are both really good questions. This is Carly asking this. So how do our kids and husband feel about the podcast? They're pretty proud of it. I think they're a little bit, my kids who are, I have teenagers. I have kids who are 12, 16, and 17, but hold on to your hats. My 12-year-old's about to be 13. By the time you hear this episode, I will have three teenagers in one house. Oh, thoughts and prayers, Amy. Thoughts and prayers. I know. They like it. I think they've sort of become comfortable over time with the fact that I keep it pretty vague when I talk about them. I mean, of course, I talk about them, but I keep their situations and which kid I'm talking about pretty vague. And I think they like that a little plausible deniability. My spouse, I only have one spouse. And so he totally heard it from people. <laughs> He's getting a lot of grief about the omelet pan at work. About the omelet pan and the olive oil and the honey for my birthday. Oh, yeah, that was a rough day. That was a rough day for old David. But I have a funny story. We saw a couple that we know like outside over the last week and we bumped into them on the street and they were both like, Amy, The Vow on HBO. Oh my gosh, it's so good. We're watching it too. And he was like, why are you telling them about The Vow? Like, why are you sharing your shows with them and not with me? And like, they listen to the podcast. That's how they know that I like The Vow. Wait, does, does your David listen to the podcast? Not like religiously, no. That's hilarious. My David is way into the podcast, like really into the podcast, which I find very, very cute. So how does he feel about it? I think he's pretty down. Like, I mean, he doesn't love when I tell the story about him giving me the horrible backpack, but (laughs) he's also come off really well lately. I feel like he, the pandemic, he's been like amazing during the pandemic and I'm giving him so many props. So he's happy about that. But I'm sure, you know, he doesn't love it when I goof on him, but he's pretty, we have very tolerant spouses. We did, so we do a live show, which unfortunately we haven't been able to do in a really long time. And our first live show, we did maybe the most hilarious bit we've ever done, which was we called our husbands up on stage and we had a game show where they had to answer basic questions. And they didn't know. They were ambushed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a surprise. They came thinking they were seeing the show. And then we called them up on stage and we gave them a quiz where they were competing against each other to answer like very basic questions like what is your kid's teacher's name? What did you get your niece for Christmas this year? It started with... How many years have you been married and name any child in your daughter's kindergarten class? It was unbelievably hilarious because the score after eight questions or so was zero to zero. They got none of them correct. We were going into the final round with scoreless and we were looking at each other like, what happens if we end zero zero? It was basically like a Hunger Games level of like excitement when the whatever 400 women in the audience were just watching our husbands completely fail for their own amusement. And it was amazing. But I will say afterwards, like four different people were like, how is your husband not divorced you yet? And I'm like, "Eh, (laughs) thank God he has a pretty good sense of humor. (laughs) I will say my kids do not really know anything about the podcast. They are not dialed in. My oldest is just turned 12. So he was 11 last week. And so I have 11, 10, and 8, and they're not into it at all. They know I do a podcast, but they've never listened to it. And they think it has a bad word in the title, which is inappropriate. (laughs) And They have issues, but not what you would think they are. They don't, they have no awareness, I would say, of the podcast beyond 
every once in a while, like we'll be at a school event and someone will stop me and be like, I love your podcast. And my son asked me once, he's like, mom, can I ask you a personal question? And I said, I think so. And he was like, are you famous? <laughs> and I was like, hilariously, <laughs> I am not. That one person happened to like my podcast, but it really made me laugh. So he, they don't, my kids don't listen and don't even know really what the podcast is about. They're in the videos and sometimes they like to watch the videos, but half of them they don't get. So they're like, I don't really get what this one is about, <laughs> especially when it's about how annoying kids are. They, those ones they don't understand at all. Like don't really see the joke in this one. Yeah. No, they're funny. They're like, I don't get why this is funny. And I'm like, it's because you're so annoying. And they're like, but I'm not annoying. I'm just asking you eight questions. They don't get it, which I find great. In terms of boundaries, I would say we don't really talk about our kids on the podcast. You know, I mean, we're pretty careful to talk. We can talk in general of like one of my kids has a lot of trouble with organization. I find it frustrating that one of my kids, you know, is really having trouble homeschooling. But yeah, I would say that we pretty much committed early on that we wouldn't, I mean, we don't use our kids' names. We don't talk about, you'll never hear us say like, one of my kids whose name is this, and it's this one of my kids is doing this very annoying thing. Because, you know, I think that's appropriate. And I wouldn't want my mom had to have had a podcast where she talks about my business. And so that's basically our boundary. I don't talk. The other big boundary I would say is, I mean, we just generally don't talk about people in our lives because... Any version of a story about yourself that you hear another person telling that is even remotely negative, even if it's funny, is going to hurt someone's feelings. So we try pretty hard not to do that, you know? There's one exception to this for me, which was when we did the bonus episode about having COVID and what was our experience. My daughter has had some longer term complications from it, and but I did get her permission. I'm going to sort of you know, go public about this. Is that okay with you? And I wouldn't have done it if she said no, and there are certainly plenty of things I don't discuss. But in that case, she was like, yeah, I think people should hear about this. So that was worth it. And I think it's an interesting thing for people who listen to the podcast that like, our kids have, you know, issues and needs and, you know, differing abilities in areas. And we don't talk about those things specifically, because those are private to our household and our kids. But I sometimes think people have the impression that we have like, really super simple, easy kids who do everything correctly. And it's good to remember that like, we don't talk about the specifics of our kids and their issues, needs, problems, because that's our kids business. But I think it's good to underline for people who probably sometimes listen and think like, must be nice to have kids who don't have anything that ever goes wrong for them. You know, not the case as it turns out. Right. No family is struggle free as it turns out. Yeah. And like some of those struggles we do keep private because they're private and they're private to our lives and our kids. And, you know, I don't want my kids to have a record of issues and problems and diagnoses and anything else that's going on with them. That's not anybody's business, but it is, you know, an interesting element of how we talk about our kids, because I definitely see sometimes people commenting like, you don't know what it's like. And I'm like, eh, I kind of do, but I don't actually want to broadcast that because it's my kid's business. Yeah. What are your favorite ways of dealing with the repetitiveness of COVID and 2020? <laughs> Screaming into the void. <laughs> yeah, we like rocking in the fetal position, screaming into the void, fighting with our husbands, and hating our families. That's what I like to do to deal with it. I have a yoga class that I really like. It's Rhythm Yoga on Facebook. I hate this advice, Amy. I hate this advice. I want to like it. Why? Because I want to be a person who could deal with my problems by taking yoga, but I'm just so fundamentally not that person. I deal with my problems by eating potato chips and you deal with it by doing yoga and I want to be you, but I'm me. But you know what? The yoga, it's not about the like warrior two or whatever. It's about seeing these women who I only know the teacher in real life. I don't even know the other women that always show up for this class at a certain time and we see each other in the window and it's just a handful of people and it's a connection and every time... It's something that I've found from pandemic and it's like sitting in a quiet church for me. Like it just centers me and brings me back. And I never would have thought that a yoga class over Zoom could work in that way, but it just makes me feel better and I'm okay right now. And I actually kind of love this class and I would never have found it. And so for the next 45 minutes, I'm okay here. It isn't like, let me reach new levels of health and strength. It's just, I'm safe until 10 a.m. right here. 
I mean, I like the concept, but I try to do yoga and my mind is like, (laughs) I do, I um, have a bike and I spin at home and like, that's more my vibe, like loud music and frenetic exercise. I can't, I find, I just cannot get into the meditation thing right now. It's like, I just literally can't do it. The minute I sit still, it's like the world is ending. I just, it's not for me right now. Mm -hmm. Melissa says... I love this question. One part of me feels cozy and nested in my home, and one part of me feels total boredom and leaves me wondering, is this life forever? And I think one thing I'm trying to do, as you know, I'm going to spend the winter being a Danish baby wrapped up in a blanket outside. Yeah, It's been pretty warm here in the East Coast, so it hasn't started yet, Danish baby. I know. My Danish baby self is not coming true. It's like 75 degrees every day, but I lean into the coziness. We do a lot of like Saturday family movie at 11 o'clock. You know, and we all get a blanket, we sit on the couch, we watch a movie. Like, we're leaning in to cozy and relaxed. And it's not forever, but I have found that, like, let's do a family activity of painting, you know, the garage. That's not where it's at. It's at, let's do a family movie of like all putting blankets on and watching this movie. Better for us. That's what I think what I'm trying to say. Like, that, like, oh, is this life forever? And what's going to happen? Like, I can forget that for that hour. You can forget that when you have the weighted blanket on the couch and, and, The moments when you can let yourself forget that, what will get us through, I think. All right. We'll be right back with more questions. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, we're back. Okay. Magdalena says, how do you juggle working full-time, raising kids while keeping the house? Do either of you have housekeepers? If yes, how often? What other outsourcing, if anything, do you do to keep it all together and running? See, this is one of those questions where I think like the honesty is good. Just because we don't talk about the people who support us and make it work doesn't mean that we don't have them, right? I mean, yes, maybe. I don't have them. (laughs) I need more of them. I was going to say, we have always done everything in the podcast ourselves. In the spring, we handed over editing to Christy, our editor, who we love. Awesome. And just this fall, or I guess it was sort of during the pandemic, we were sort of like, we can do more, but only if we stop doing it all. And so we have brought somebody on a mom of two young kids who is now doing a lot of producing work for us. And it's helping us get to things that we kind of like, oh, we should do that. 
one of these days, we're actually doing those things instead of just putting them on a list for another six months. And so it's really helping us. But we wouldn't be doing that without that support. For sure. And I have a babysitter who helps us some. I mean, it's tough because it the hours add up so quickly for me with sitting, you know, that like, we don't really have it in our budget. Like, I keep thinking how nice it would be if we could have someone three days a week into help with the homeschooling for the kids while I work, but we don't have that. And so I wish we did, but we don't. So I end up doing too much work. Amy talks about this all the time, right? It's like deep work is the work that you do when you have five hours of quiet. And I have almost no bandwidth for that kind of work right now, which I'm finding really frustrating because I'm basically like, yes, I am working on the podcast and planning comedy bits and figuring out what's the next episode and doing all of that work while I sit in a room with a kid who's asking me how to do fractions every 10 minutes. And it's super frustrating. And I wish that was different. Also, my kids' schools re-shut down. So I'm home with three homeschooling kids now. Hopefully, pray to everything that exists and knock on wood at the same time. They're going back next week. And then I have two days a week where I have a seven-hour day where I'm by myself. And that's the only time I can really do good work. I can't really do good work while I have kids who are homeschooling and it's super frustrating. We don't have anybody who cleans our house because that's one thing I don't find that bad. I mean, one thing is I can clean the house while the kids are homeschooling. That's no problem because it doesn't take a break. Yes, you're right. You can load the dishwasher while they're there. Yes, exactly. I've never been more caught up in my laundry and had fresh sheets on the bed like I do right now because that's easy to do while the kids are here homeschooling. The, what's falling behind for me is like the creative work, you know, the, I don't know, just thinking of scripts and comedy and how to put it together. And it gets done, but it, I do feel that thing of... It's a drag not having the time to myself. And, but you can't beat yourself up about like I always felt this way about summertime. Like, okay, summertime, I'm just not going to get as much done because the kids are home. We're all around and I'm just going to relax into this because it is temporary and I'll get my kid free time back in September. And of course, that didn't happen in the same way this year. But beating ourselves up about why we're not getting our um, you know book treatment written doesn't mean it's going to get written right now. Right. We're all just home more with the kids. I think that's right. And I think that leads us into Nikki's question really well. Margaret says all the time that her mantra is don't hold so tightly. Let go of your control, things that maybe don't matter, but how? I would love some specifics on how to apply this philosophy on the many conflicts and struggles that we have and face as moms. Right. So, I mean, this is another thing that comes up sometimes in the Facebook group. And right, all of this stuff, guys, is much easier to say than to implement. And I don't want anyone to ever have the impression that we're like, and that's how to have a happy family. And then I go put on my Donna Reed dress and like dance around the kitchen while I make dinner. And all my kids are like, thank you, gorgeous mother, for this wonderful meal. Like, of course, we're just talking this stuff out because it's so hard to do, right? Right. And so when we say like, yes, come in underneath it, less yelling makes for a more peaceful home for everybody. We still yell at our kids all the time. Of course we do. And I think holding it less tightly, the way to practice it is just that, to try to practice it. Like we said on the saying no episode that like one of the things I put in place is come from a place of no, start with no, and then see if you can convince yourself. It's a practice that helps me in something that I have trouble with, which is saying no. Similarly, holding things less tightly is something that I don't do well, but I recently found when I had to restart homeschooling my kids that I was in a screaming match with two of my kids by 11 o'clock every morning. And it's the place I go to. What's wrong here? I'm holding it too tightly. I'm convincing myself that I can somehow wedge fractions into my child's head with enough effort and that I'm on the wrong track there. I need to hold it less tightly. I need to walk away and say, if you're having problems with this, there is a video thing where you can video for extra help with your teacher at the end of the day. That's what you should do. That this is something that I have to let go of. And somebody said it on a recent episode that we were recording that like, don't worry about college until high school. And for some reason, that's become a part of my less holding it tightly mantra. Like I have a seventh grader who's struggling in a couple of things. And I'm like, 
What am I doing? This doesn't really matter right now. If he needs extra help, we'll get him some in the summer. Like, it's just a mantra that there's no key to unlock the holding it less tightly box. It's something you have to practice. It's also something that's easier to say. We have older kids than a lot of people listening do. And we talk about that, you know, a lot that our listener is somebody with a two year old and a newborn, not three teenagers. But I also think that's why sometimes we might say something useful because it is in retrospect that you have the perspective to say, you know what, I wish I had done this. Sometimes when we say this is how you need to handle the baby who won't sleep through the night, doesn't mean that we did it that way. It means that we look back and say, oh, we could have done it that way. We should have done it that way. This stuff is all easier to see when you're not in it. Right. And that is advice that I seek now from older parents, not older age-wise people who have older kids, that this idea of like, it doesn't matter how your kid is doing in sixth grade, basically. They'll catch up or they won't. And high school, they're going to revisit all of this material. And I look back and I think, God, I can't believe how much I worried about potty training. Like, Every kid eventually figures it out and like, it's fine. Yes, if it's a developmental marker that's an issue and a problem, like you might need to get help with it. It might be a problem that lingers longer than you really wish it will. You might not be able to send your kid to that daycare because they're not potty trained yet. It doesn't mean it's not a problem if it's a problem for you, but in general, there's nothing in my life as a parent, 100% this is true, that I look back on and I think, I wish I had worried and stressed about that more. Nothing. I have actually have a good hold it less lightly example that actually works because this is something I have to try to do a lot. So one of my kids perceives themselves as a math struggler. The math teachers this kid has had have said, I think they're pretty good at math, but they think that they're not. And we have had tears about math and you need to be doing math a certain way. And we live in New York City where you have to apply to high school and they really want to see a certain math proficiency. And da, 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 da. there were tears, there were stress. This kid has now moved back a level in math because we were leaning into the math and there were tears and crying and, you know, weren't doing great. Have dropped back in math. This kid had a hundred on a math test, brought it to me. You know, the teacher wrote like, fantastic job on it. And this kid is so proud of themselves, is soaring because we held it less lightly, right? Like maybe accelerated math is not the path for this kid. You held it more lightly. Held it. Sorry, I held it more lightly by saying maybe accelerated math is not the path for this child, nor does it need to be. And to see the sort of shoulders drop on my kid, I just felt like I'm doing the right thing. And if this kid doesn't get to go to a certain high school because their math proficiency is not X, Y, Z, then they shouldn't have gone to that high school. And I'm figuring that out in real time. I will say another thing that has really helped me, and I hate to compliment remote learning because I really do despise it, but seeing the kids' math, let me tell you, I have no idea how to do seventh grade math. I feel like this is like a punchline. Four times negative three. Last week, I couldn't have told you that answer for a million dollars. I have no idea how it works when you multiply a positive number by a negative number. Like, if I was in front of a firing squad, I would die. I have no idea what the answer is. I have since learned. 50-50, you'd live. Yeah, I guess that's true. I have a 50-50 chance. But I would have just killed myself because I would have been like, there. I don't even want to answer this question. I'm so scared. But the thing is, my life functions quite well. I'm great at life. And I don't know how to do seventh grade math. Guess what? It's fine. And I know that my parents, it's I'm one of four siblings and my other three siblings were all incredibly good students. Like three for four were knock it out of the park, amazing learners, genius level IQs, went to the world's best schools, always got A's. I think all three of them were probably valedictorians of their class, like really extraordinary students. And I was like the black sheep of my family. Guess what? I'm doing fine. It's growing great for me. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter that I don't know how to multiply integers. It doesn't matter. <laughs> What's an integer? Also, what are integers? That's it. Something integer is somehow about that positive and negative yeah. thing. That's what it's called, right? Multiplying integers. I didn't even know that word a week ago, guys. It doesn't matter in the scheme of things. It's fine. Do you think it's given you more sort of empathy for your kids? Like, wow, this actually really is hard. And when you're crying about it, now I see why. No, (laughs) I wish that was true. I just get crazy when they start. I'm just like, go talk to your father. I mean, I do think I try not to say to them because I actually don't think it's helpful advice for a child. This doesn't matter at all because that undercuts work that they have to do. My sister-in-law says this all the time. and I think it's such a good point. 
life is different than school, but school is its own thing and you have to get through school. So I don't, I would never tell my kids, I don't know how to do this and I do fine. I'm telling you guys that, but that's not what I actually say to my children. I'm like, you have to figure it out because school is school and you have to do school. But I find my own perspective is it doesn't matter. But no, when my kids go crazy, I go crazy. But I'm getting better at it. I'm holding it less strongly. You don't have to know seventh grade math for anything in your entire life except for passing seventh grade math. But you have to pass seventh grade math. That's the formula. Well, the problem is you need it for eighth grade math. You need to. It's cumulative in ways that, like, say, history isn't, right? Seventh grade, you're learning about Egypt. And eighth grade, you're learning about American history. But that's right. And that's where I went so wrong in math. Like I stopped paying attention in the sixth grade. And then by ninth grade, I was like, two plus two is nine. I really fell behind. And it's true. Like it is on your permanent record in that way. Like if you miss the stuff in sixth grade, you don't catch up in ninth grade. And that's how I was. I didn't know. I'm terrible at math, but it doesn't matter. But my kids, it does matter for they have to get it. And they can't be annoyed with me that they don't know math. Let me tell you another bit of perspective, like wish I knew this then, because my oldest is applying to college this fall. And I could make this a applying to college podcast, but I'm not going to do that to you guys. But one thing that's really interesting is for their grades, like you think like grades in high school matter, they do. But apparently I'm finding out in fall of senior year, colleges love to see improvement from freshman to junior year. So here my kid killed himself freshman, sophomore, junior year. And his, you know, his transcript is great and it's flat. And then I'm like, but he could have like, he would have been better off with a few more Bs, really? Like, oh, but they were freshman year. Yeah, because then you see growth. Like now you tell me. So there's, they like to see growth. Put that in your pocket. All right. We're going to focus on growth. That's where we're going. <laughs> we're going to try to grow from here. I need personal growth. I'm going to learn integers as my own personal growth. No, I mean, this is the thing. And it's. I feel like it's very annoying advice to get when you're in it. Like, oh, this doesn't matter. Like when I see people be like, my kid doesn't eat. I'm like, oh, it's going to be fine. I would say my brother-in-law who will literally just like pull a fish out of the ocean and like eat its head. Like he eats anything in the world. His mom told me, a couple of years ago, that he only ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for two full years of his life. Because it's just, and I'm like, oh, right. Like, that's the chip that you wish you could put on people's brains, which is like, oh. But you don't want to hear it doesn't matter when you're in it. But guess what, guys? It doesn't matter. Right. All right. We'll be right back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff. 
but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. All right, Amy, let's start with something easy for part three. Okay. This is something I have no idea. I would not be able to answer this at all about you, so I'm interested too. What is your favorite kind of music? Oh my gosh. The truth is, I am not such a big music listener. I have to say, if I had to guess, that would have been my guess. Yeah. Like, I like silence, although I have certainly... (laughs) I like silence. The Amy Wilson story. I'm fine with silence, but I also do love, like, I'm a news junkie. I listen to a lot of podcasts. You're like driving in the car, wind in your hair. It can't be all things considered. Like, what is it on your best day? Oh, no. But if I had to listen to music, (laughs) so this is a crazy story. (laughs) I don't know why. This is It's very you that you don't listen to music. I love it. Every time I listen to music, I'm like, I like music. I should listen to music. But <laughs> but you don't. I hate so much of it. You know, like XM hits. Like I hate anything auto tune I'm old, you know? There are many ways, and I mean this is a great compliment, in which you remind me of my mom sometimes. And my mom also did not like to listen to music. Like I find that it tracks for me. Yes. That you don't like to listen to music. But one, here's one like you haven't heard of this guy probably and you would really like him, Frankie and the Lights. Never heard of Frankie and the Lights. And I found Frankie and the Lights because I was lucky enough to get to go to the Grammys a couple years ago when they were in New York City and not only to go to the Grammys. It's hilarious that you went to the Grammys. Like who would want to go to the Grammys? Everybody. And you're like, I'm not really into music, but I'll go. I listen to podcasts. (laughs) You're like, is there a podcast category? All this shouting into the microphone musically is quite annoying, but when do the podcasters come on? So I went to the Grammys and it was amazing, but I also got to go to some like ancillary, you know, events that were around the Grammys. And so two nights before the Grammys, we went to this party, my husband and me, and, you know, it was like the artist from this label. Anyway, we stand next to this woman who's from L.A., you know, like we're in like a like a tiny mosh pit. And she's like, he's amazing. Frankie, he's extremely talented. And we're like, all right, well, I guess we'll stay for the show. And this guy comes out. He kind of sings. He sounds like Lin-Manuel Miranda, my son said, and that's absolutely true. And his music is really mellow. And I guess rappers love him because they sample his music a lot. I have to say, you sounded pretty oldy locks when you were like, I guess rappers love him because they sample his music a lot. (laughs) Back in my day. They like his jams. They dig his fly jams. They're into his hot beats, I believe is how you say it. And so anyway, to see him perform, he is this deeply weird, like dancing all over the place, like true artist. And at the beginning of his concert, my husband and I were like, we were getting like the church giggles, like this guy is crazy. And then by the end, we were like, actually, yes, an artistic genius. And I love his music. We want to join his cult. So when I want to listen to something, I tell my smart speaker, hey, put on Frankie and the lights. It's just him. Like the joke is the act is Frankie and then the lights. That's all that there is on stage. Oh, the lights. I get it. I'm thinking of Katrina and the waves, if that day me. Frankie and the Lights. So Frankie and the Lights. So that's a free one, everybody. You really like him. He's chill. Okay. Interesting. You didn't you didn't expect that, right? How about you? What's your favorite music? I love music. I love pop music. That's what I love. Yeah, I don't love it. Okay. I was like, I was a Madonna devotee. Like I loved her in a way that was unhealthy. I thought about her like six hours a day for 10 years. Love, loved, loved. I mean, I'm like a mall girl. Like I love the pop acts. Loved Britney, Christina, all the pop divas of the 90s. Now I love Taylor Swift. Like I love the most popular pop princess. Okay. I like Ariana Grande. I like pop music. That's my jam. Okay. I like all music. I like to have music on when I'm cooking. I like to have music on. We, My husband one year for Mother's Day gave me outdoor speakers so like we can have music on when we're in the backyard. I love that. I like folk music. I love musicals, of course. I was like a musical theater nerd in high school. So I love all musicals. Yeah, I like music. The only thing I really can't listen to is heavy metal, which is the only music that my husband likes. You're kidding. So we are, (laughs) we always say like we're horribly in mismatch. My husband, for those of you who don't know him, Amy's laughing because she does know him. It just doesn't track, you know? He's like a preppy engineer nerd from Texas. Like he should either like country music or like, I don't know what. Or silence, like me. I would have said Bing Crosby. Yeah, he might. He loves like thrasher metal. Yeah. So we are, and I truly can't listen yeah, to Yeah, that it. would raise my heart rate too quickly. No, it's no good for me. But I'm not into music like I have a record player. I have this on vinyl. Like I'm not into any of that stuff. But I love 
pop music. A good pop song is the greatest thing that could ever happen to a person in my point of view. A solid pop hit. Carly Rae Jepsen, she really knows what she's doing with those pop hits. Yeah, yeah, I like her. Yeah. She's amazing. I like it. I haven't yet, I keep waiting to hit the music where I'm like, this isn't real music. Like, I love Chance the Rapper. I love music. Love it. Okay, what else do we have here? How about this one? Elizabeth asks, I like this question. She says she likes fitness. She's having trouble finding times to work out. How do you overcome the guilt that comes with taking a break to do something important to you? How do you explain to your little ones that mommy isn't available right now without hurting their feelings? I feel like this, I do not have this chip in my brain. I do not have this gene in my DNA. Like I do not have this problem. Taking a break to do something important to me, I just do that thing. I mean, I guess to actually give advice, Explaining to your little ones that your mommy isn't available without hurting their feelings, I think you have to change the definition of that, which is that it's really good for your kids, for you to do things independently of them. And if you frame it to yourself as hurting their feelings, you're going to feel bad about it. But there is absolutely zero reason to ever feel bad about doing things away from your kids. And this sensation that they have of like fear and anxiety and crying because they're not going to be with you is a skill they need to build. Yes, that's right. And so you've got to lean in on that. I mean, not hurting your kids' feelings should not be on your list of concerns in my mind. I would say the easiest thing here is if you really need to be away from your kids, you have to be like, absent. They can't see you trying to take a break on the couch and watch your favorite show while they, you know, want something that never goes that well. But I wrote a book, I wrote most of the manuscript of a book in four months. And it was an insane task, but I did it. And because my kids were pretty little at the time. So I did it with my husband's support and of course, a babysitter support. But on the weekends, pretty much every morning, so my kids were really little, I would get up at 6am and I would hide. I would go to a room up above the garage where they didn't know where I was. And I would write from six until 930 without fail. They didn't know I was there. So they couldn't feel bad that, you know, I just wasn't home from what they knew. And then I reemerged at 9.30 or 10 and I was done till the next morning. And that got me through. That's how I did it. And the only way that it was possible is for them to actually not realize that I was in the house somewhere. This reminds me of an old story. Can I convey it? I'm going to try, Amy. Sure. I was riding the subway and there was a political candidate who would be on the subway. And he was like one of those really zany political candidates, you know, like a, there's always that person, right? Like a crazy guy in a cowboy hat who's somehow running for Congress and just hangs out on the same subway train every day. Do you know what I'm talking about this phenomenon? Sure. Are you familiar with this character? Sure. Kind of like naked cowboy in Times Square, I'm picturing. Maybe not that weird. Yeah. he. But somehow he's also running for Congress, right? Yes. And there was a famous guy in New York, the rent is too damn high, man. And that's all he said was the rent is too damn high. I mean, there's always that candidate. And this guy was that guy. And he had a, what do you call it when you have your platform like written on a little palm card? It's like your platform, I guess, is what it's called. It's like all the things you believe in personally. And I don't even remember where he was on the political spectrum. But he would be like, you know, taxes must bring them down. And then there were other things that it would be like, you know, healthcare must provide it for everyone. He just had really simple answers. And then there was a whole stream of things that were on this category. And his response to them was, this isn't a thing, move on. <laughs> and it really made me laugh. Like I just, I had it with me for a long time and it's become kind of a mantra in my life. And like, I don't mean to be dismissive at all because I understand that people have this problem of like, how can I help my kids? It's like, there is a part of me that's like, this isn't a thing, move on. Like your kids will absolutely be fine with you taking time for yourself, everyone will be happier in this situation. And on my palm card, this is kind of in the category of like, this isn't a thing. It's actually better for everyone for you to put yourself first. Including the kids, including the little ones who might cry and miss you. Absolutely, including the kids. And I feel like one thing, there's a couple of things on the podcast that I feel like that is, there are lots of things that I'm working on, but there's a couple things I know. And like, Leaving your kids, putting yourself at the top of your own triangle, and finding your own fitness and happiness benefits everyone in the room. Caring about what you weigh, 
that is not a thing. Move on. You know, there are just certain things like holding things too tightly and thinking that you can absolutely affect the outcome of a situation. That is not a thing. Move on. You know, I think there's a couple of things on the podcast that I firmly put in that category. I will say, Elizabeth, also that I've come to understand over time that my spouse, he's a guy, and I think a lot of guys, <laughs> they take time for themselves. They feel entitled to do it, and they do so. You know, my spouse over time had to learn that I would like the acknowledgement. I would like the, so is it okay with you if I go do this this Saturday? And before, not just being told that he was going to disappear for a few hours, but he did it. And I would stay home sort of like seething with resentment, like, I don't want to hear about your golf game when you come home because I enabled your golf game. I don't want to spend 90 more seconds hearing about your golf game when you come home. I don't care. I just want my own time. But he entitled himself to it and he took it. And my response to that was to feel resentful about when do I get my alone time? And I never just took some. You see what I'm saying? And it took me a long time. Oh, I 100% see what you're saying. But I do think that that's right. Like, take your time. It really, again, we always say, right, it's not advice because you read it in a book. It's advice because it works and it makes things better. And working out and being away from your kids works for everyone, we promise. It's worth it. How about this from Jana? Amy, which is your favorite scientific journal? I love this question because it makes me think that people just think that you live in like a giant library and you're like, which scientific journal shall I peruse today? She's goofing on me, but should I tell you how I find these studies? She's probably really wondering. I don't think she's goofing on you. I think she's legit asking because people imagine that you love science all the time. So we have, Margaret and I work a couple weeks ahead on like, we'll talk about this and how about this topic for that week. And so we know what the topic is. And so like how to get better at saying no. We choose that as a topic because I want to get better at saying no. Like that sounds like something I'd like to learn more about. And so I just start, you know, Googling what's around it. But then it's just very easy to get down a rabbit hole. Some article that's been written about it will refer to a study and then I will. I'll go find that study and I'll read it. And then that study will refer to another study and then I'll go find that study. And I enjoy it. I love it. But the thing that I love most about it is that this work, this research, it totally improves my parenting and my way of life by getting to think about this stuff. I love that it's sort of my assignment to do it because I wouldn't otherwise and I do love it. And we're very well matched because I hate to do that kind of stuff. And so Amy does it and it's great. Yeah. I would not read an article on parenting if you paid me money, but luckily <laughs> Amy does not feel the same way. It's a lot of good stuff out there. Amy, let's end with the most important question of coronavirus times. What are you binge watching these days? Well, we know about the vow. We know about the vow, but I tell you what, something else I watched that I loved was Amy Schumer's three-part documentary, also on HBO Max, that follows her during her pregnancy and childbirth. Loved it. Loved it. Keep thinking we should try to get her on the podcast. We got to reach out and at least try. It's you, you watch it like she is my best friend. Yes, definitely. If we could meet. She is so cool and so funny. Yeah. And it's. I thought it was a funny perspective because... She has a hyperemesis with her during her pregnancy, which I assume everybody listening knows what this is, which is just like you throw up all the time and like it's the barfing. Yeah. And it's not cute morning sickness. It's all day long for nine months. But this I thought it was funny that this documentary makes it like you'll never like in the next episode, you're going to find out what's wrong. And I'm like, something else is wrong. And they're like, you have hyperemesis. Right. We're like, we kind of got that from all the barfing. Yeah. Right. But when you hang around with like 55-year-old stand-up comics who are all men, you know, they're like, what? Sometimes throwing up doesn't stop? I thought that was funny. I will say you have to have a high tolerance for vomiting. I am a sympathetic vomiter, and it was hard for me to get through. Like, oh, I, really? I really have that thing of like, if you vomit in the room with me, I start vomiting. And so it was, if you're like me, if you're a sympathetic vomiter. Maybe don't watch this one. Yeah. Well, I had to fast forward through certain parts of it because I was actually feeling sick by the end of it. And that's the only thing I can speak against because otherwise it was great. Otherwise, we're loving the vow. I'm watching a lot of Top Chef. We're going through, for some reason, Top Chef is about what I can handle. We had been watching, not Homecoming. What's the show with Claire Dance and Mandy Patinkin? Homeland. Homeland, yeah. We'd been watching that. I'm like, I can't take it. I can't take car chases and stress right now. I need like people, I need zero stakes, but like high interest. And for us, that's Top Chef. Like, did your souffle rise or not? That's all I can handle right now. So we're working our way through. And Tom Colicchio, I have the most 
overwhelming crush on him. Like I find him, my husband is like getting mad at me. He's like, I can't even picture him. (laughs) He's for some reason, he is very much my type. I've always dated like stocky bald dudes. I find that like it's a type of mine. And he's that like a thick bald dude for some reason. It's my type. It's a weird thing that I have. But anyway, this is turning really weird. The end of this podcast episode. Like furries. Are you into furries? No, I'm not into furries, (laughs) but I do like it's the opposite of a bear. I think it's like a hairless stocky dude. Okay. Like a seal. It's It's a seal. I don't think you might have just invented that. I'm dying laughing. Anyway, I have a wild crush on Tom Colicchio. I want him to like critique me as I cook. I don't even know if it's a romantic thing. It's just I love him. I'm obsessed with him. I love Padma Lakshmi. I absolutely am wildly into uh, Gail, the other woman. I just love them. I could watch Top Chef all day. It's I feel like a Danish baby. I feel all wrapped up and safe when I watch it. That's my go-to. I kind of need a show. So I'm going to say, as we wrap this up, that we want you guys, as always, to come to our Facebook group and page at facebook.com forward slash whatfreshshellcast. And I'm going to start a thread like, what's my next binge watching show? Because Facebook is where I always get the best ideas about what to read next, what to watch next. And I need something to take me away. We need a book thread and we need a... um a show thread. We'll put those up on the show page. Oh, you know what? We, I have created it and not launched it yet. We have a bookstore now for our show, whatfreshhellbookshop.org, which supports indie bookstores all around the country where you can get not only every book from every guest we've had on the show over the last four years, but also just books we like. We're starting to put up on there. And I'm going to keep that going. I'm going to put that definitely this week up on Facebook so you can check it out and get all the books we like. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much for asking these questions. It was so much fun. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next week. Bye. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.